be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn more at gis.sport slash fnr. Sometimes I feel, I don't know, I don't know. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get a bench, did you? You don't have to get a bench, did you? Attaccare! Attaccare! Welcome to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. The voice that you just heard on that intro, Silvio Berlusconi, is going to be very, very happy right now. He's had a very good 24 hours, and so have we. It's been a very busy weekend for myself, Nick Tabano, and Lockie Flanagan, going through all the European action, all the action going on here in Australia. It's just been a nuts few days. Like, just looking back at everything that's happened, Lockie, not going to lie, mate. I am absolutely pooped. I'm wrecked. And I know you're still hungover from celebrating Milan's Champions League. Oh, Champions League. What am I talking about? See, that's how tired I am. I wish Fred, they won the Champions uh, League. Scudetto glory last week. Yep. So I know you're still recovering from that. I don't know what I'm recovering from. Uh, the, the the 45 minutes where hearts were level with Rangers in the Scottish Cup final. Who knows? Um, but we've been really spoiled in the last couple of weeks as, uh, as, as European football watchers. There's just yeah. been so much good stuff and uh, a, a very dramatic for both good and bad reasons on and off the pitch Champions League final to uh, to sink our teeth into today. Yep. And uh look it's, it was a uh sorry lucky go. Well the good thing is we clearly both have our uh voices to review this which well, is more than can be said for <laughs> for the world <laughs> feed Tony Jones. <laughs> oh man. You certainly do. My voice is not great. Yeah, but you're you're like a on the on the Tony Jones world feed commentary oh, yeah. level of laryngitis, you're at like a a, f- a three out of ten. Yeah. There's there's a croak, but you know words are being clearly enunciated. I'm not going to have to pull <laughs> in my co-commentator yeah. to to step in for you. Well, it's certainly a lot better than what it was say last night after TNC. I went to bed and I actually was sending back a voice message to one of my friends and I could barely even get out a word. And I woke up this mm. morning thinking. Oh boy, I think I might need a point. I have out my own show. Tony Jones moment. Yeah, but uh, after having a bit of coffee, a nice warm cup of tea as well. Coffee, uh, not traditionally great for the voice, but tea. It worked, yeah. Tea is good. Kilos dos, and then had some oats, and I was like, okay, we're back in business. Then I thought I was going to lose my voice again during the Miami Heat versus Boston Celtics game today. Yeah. But I, I, you know, had a bit of a, a sook afterwards, and I felt better. And. Uh, no, Lockie, we're not going to talk about it. Uh, uh, no, we're not. I, I want to talk more about Tony Jones, but, but anyway. My voice has made it. Tony Jones is more than, more than can be said for Tony now, Jones. Before we get to the action on the field, let, let, let's ch- let's chat about TJ. This is not Chompers. This is TJ, the uh, the world feed commentator. Now, the question I have here is, who made the decision to put him to air? And if you were Tony Jones, why didn't you stand aside before the match? I know you're calling the, the Champions cha- it is League, the Champions League but final. your reputation is on the line. And if you're coming in like, uh, it know, is like, a shame as well because I, I actually, when his voice is in full working great. order, I, Tony Jones is probably one of my preferred commentators. Yeah. Definitely in world feed standards. Mm. So when you get Tony Jones, I was like, yeah, yes, Tony Jones. Um, even if I didn't necessarily know that he was Tony Jones, but I'm really conflicted by this one because, as someone who 
you know commentates games, not anywhere near the Champions League final, but during the week, and I have have lost my voice before uh, while doing media work. I shouldn't be laughing because I yeah, know how much been there. I know how much it sucks, and I know to to be in the head of Tony like it's it's not the Champions League final level, but I know the mentality of someone who's lost your voice mm. when you've you know you work in a field that sees you exclusively losing uh, using your voice mm. because you know you can't do it, but you're so desperate that you're going to try anyway, and so I can understand why Tony Jones sort of against his better judgment against the better judgment of people externally. Uh, tried to persist with this. And to that end, because I understand the plight, I should feel sorry for him, but I, I will admit that I laughed quite a lot. Uh, Look, yeah, so, I, feel, sorry, I, feel, sorry, I feel sorry for him, but at the same time, he should he not was, have called this match. It's just really funny. Like, yeah. like the, two things can be true. Something can be sad while also so, you, you have to stop and think, well, you've got to admit, that is, is quite funny. funny. Yeah. <laughs> It's this was just, definitely one of those moments. It's just you feel sorry for it because his reputation now is, you know, people gonna hopefully people gonna keep him around on the on the world feed. Well, I, I mean, I don't think I don't think it was his reputation that actually suffered sure, the it's biggest. The producer. Biggest. Well, I, I mean, over the course of the night, I actually think TJ. Um, I don't, I'm sure he won't mind me calling him that. Uh, actually, just don't wa- call him Chompers. Actually, wasn't the person who suffered the biggest reputational hit. Yeah. In in this game, obviously, there's the um, the French policing authorities, which we might talk about that a little bit later because there were issues pre and post game. But pre game, I reckon the person who took the biggest L of the entire I know what you're going to say was Camila Cabello. Camila Cabello. What was that? Well, it's look, it's nothing wrong with with her. Like she's been booked to do a show. You turn up, you do the show. You have heaps of backup dancers behind you. Like you do what you can, right? Fair enough. Um, she should just never have been booked. In the first place, like what? what like I, I don't, I don't know. It was like an American sports decision to have her on some like kitsch value for the Champions League final, but it just goes against like the actual natural elements of football of being at the game. And she's like, and clearly she's ignorant to that as well. Like, it, like we weren't off to a good start before the game. She put out a tweet that was like, the, "My prediction for the final." is going to be 3-1. I don't know who's going to win, but I think that will be the score. And it's like, okay, well, the fact that you haven't named you know, either of the two teams makes me worry that you actually don't know who they are. But she clearly didn't understand how the atmosphere of a football match works, regardless of whether there's a live musical performance, because she uh, put out some very swiftly deleted tweets. Uh, very rude, but whatever. Glad you guys loved it. And playing back our performance, I can't believe people were singing their team's anthem so loud during our performance. Like, my team and I worked tirelessly for so long to bring the right vibes and give a good show. If you're making those kind of complaints, then you clearly don't understand what the atmosphere at a football game Mm. is like. And I dare say, if you don't understand those things, you shouldn't be delivering a musical performance in the Champions League final. No, but again, I, I get what you mean. It's not even... So she is in the mud uh, in the footballing world. She will not be, uh, you know, singing Havana at, at any uh, any upcoming... She, I, I mean, if you flop at the Champions League final, do, do you get a second chance yeah. to do, like, a, a, a performance at the Conference League? No. Does it work the same no. way as teams do you know, who, do you know who where crash you end up? up? Do you get in the conference... No, know? do you know where you end up? If you want to work your way back up, triple header at Amy Park, NPL Victoria. 
Grand it's final only a double header now, though. Oh, double no header. More, no well, maybe pro- RIP the, the promotion relegation. Yeah, I mean, playoffs. so maybe, maybe that's the the remontada for Camila Caballo. I, but she just should never have been given no, the no, role. No, you know, in the first you know place. what they should do. This is this is my solution to entertain for the Champions League final. Charlie Methvin, DJ. No, Set. no, 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 no. We're not going to have Charlie Methvin. You book either the London Symphony Orchestra or the Zurich Symphony Orchestra or any orchestra live rendition of the Champions League theme. Yeah, it's it's, it's quite simple. You don't need to go all glitz and glam. The Champions League has enough prestige yeah. without having needing pregame entertainment. Or if you're going to book someone, you know who you book every year if he's available. Andrea, Bo- <laughs> Andrea Bocelli. Yeah, yeah. You book Bocelli. I mean, look at what the Italians did with the Euros Euro, uh, opening ceremony. Yeah. I mean, can you have a better opening ceremony, better pregame yeah. act? And the, the, the thing is that the Champions League anthem, regardless of whether you get a live orchestra to play or not, is integrated into the Champions League final. Everyone's going to be quiet for that. Everyone's going to be listening for that. And at the end, even though they don't know any of the lyrics during the middle of the song, mm. whether Latin or the like, I think they're in different languages. Yeah. Uh, but everyone's going to sing the Champions yeah. at the end, right? So people will actually pay attention to that. That's already integrated. So that's a perfect place to bring in musical performance. You know, no one, the Liverpool fans are not, you know, turning up to the Champions League final or any game talking about how their heart is in Havana. Like, no one cares. You know, you know what we need as well? Even if, you, if you're the DJ at the Champions League final or the Europa League or the Conference League final, there is only one. If you need a playlist, you need a bunch of songs to go. Head over to my Spotify, <laughs> the Monday's playlist for, the, for Monday nights at the Venator Club, Lockie. And just go straight through that. Start off with Ain't Got No. Head into yeah. a little bit of, uh, you know, a bit of piano. A little bit of, uh, you throw in a bit of Adagio for strings. Meet me at the Love Parade. Yeah, oh, meet me at the Love Parade for sure. Uh, you know, you know, just go with Love Tonight by David Guetta. Keep mm. it simple. See, I'm already wishing you were doing the uh, the pre-match you know Champions what? League. They should have. Instead of Camille. They I should've. mean, there should never have been any entertainment to begin with. Like, no. if you saw the op- the, the opening shots of um, of the Parc des Princes with, with the Real Madrid fans, with all their flags, Liverpool fans on the other side, it looked amazing. The visual yeah. spectacle of that game, and obviously the Champions League final is always like this, but I think it was it was almost up another level for this game. Was was breathtaking. Absolutely, we, you don't need to add spice onto what is already an amazing, amazing moment. I mean, to that end, should we we get onto the the real yeah, meat? Let's, which let's, was let's the game itself. The game. I mean, Real Madrid won Liverpool nil. If you've been sleeping under a rock for the last just probably thirty six hours or so, uh, when you look at the stats, Liverpool peppered. They peppered. They peppered. But they kept hitting the Belgian wall that is Thibaut Courtois, who yeah, was wow. unbelievable between the sticks, putting in one of the great, I mean, one of the great goalkeeping performances in a Champions League final. Um, some of those saves were ridiculous to no ends. But Real Madrid at the other end, you know, crucial uh, clinical in front of goals in crucial moments, sorry. Uh, the great ball across the face from Valverde. Vinicius Junior coming in at the back post, slotting at home. It was enough for them to get the job done. Real Madrid, 14-time European champions. This is up there as one of their best. When you consider what they've had to overcome in the round of 16, the quarterfinals and the semis, all the deficits, uh, who they've beaten to get there, this is very, very impressive. And this is, I think, I think it's one of their best, one of their best Champions League wins out of, you know, 
all the ones they've won out of re- in recent time. It's, it's one of their best. It's also one of their most insane. Not not just when you consider the run of opponents they've had to beat and, and the fact that they were second best on the balance of play in a lot of those games. <laughs> Maybe even all of those games you could, you could mount the argument. Uh, but also that they started their Champions League group stage really poorly. I mean, they lost, guys, to Sheriff. lost to Sheriff. They lost to Sheriff. They lost to Sheriff. And At they've, home. they've won the Champions League final, beating in succession PSG, Chelsea, Manchester City, Liverpool. Like, that is that is as glitz and glamour Champions League as you can get. And to be honest, I, I think we're especially up against PSG with the champion. Like, I, I, I look, they're big opponents, but I almost think they were suited to playing... Um, Real Madrid was suited to playing some of these opponents because... PSG and Manchester City in particular, big Champions mm. League hoodoo, massive, massive Champions League hoodoo, whereas Real Madrid are just serial winners of this competition. You you see the science of belief just works for these guys. Uh, yeah. It's I think it was John, Jonathan Wilson who described it as an, an implacable self-belief, and that's what it is. They are just convinced that, like, this is their trophy, this is what they do, and often the motivation of that, in spite of how much possession they might control how many shots they might lodge is enough and it has been against those teams who are a little bit um wobbly in the champions league and also liverpool who are maybe not the best obviously they've won the champions league fairly recently but maybe not the best cup final yeah cup that, that's, final that's team. fair enough that's fair enough i mean they've gone three three cup finals now without scoring a single goal they yeah. obviously won two of them on penalties yeah well let's talk about liverpool from the sense of you, you posed this question in the group chat mm. yesterday about the fact that Liverpool, I mean, obviously three cup finals, one of them, the fourth being their title race going right to the final day uh, with Man City. Is this season a failure considering they still won the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup, but didn't win the Premier League or the Champions League? Is it par? Is it a success? For me, Lockie, I'm going to say it's about par, but there is a bitter sweet feeling about it because you've won two trophies, but the two trophies you've won are the two trophies that don't have the same level of significance. Well, I mean, the FA Cup is still the FA Cup. It's not at the same level as maybe it was 20 years ago. This is that they they didn't win the league. They didn't win the Champions League. And for, the, for me, in my opinion, Lockie, I, I think it's actually a blown opportunity for Liverpool. Uh, we know that Sadio Mane is gone at the end of the season. He won't be there. Next year, he announced he's on his way out. So this might have been the last chance for this Liverpool team to potentially, I wouldn't say it's the last, last chance, but after that, front, the famed front three won't get another chance to win a European crown uh, because obviously considering that Mane has gone and now Tim, obviously Salah and Firmino is still there. But the question remains, Lockie. I mean, how do you see it? Do you see this as a failure? Par, success, where do you sort of fall on the spectrum with that? I really had to battle with, with quite a few few people, Liverpool fans in particular, over this one. I, I, don't, I think maybe I've had, had a bit of time to reflect about it after asking the question to a few different people. I don't think it's a failure outright. It's not, no. Like, you, I don't think you can consider, I don't think you can really classify any season where you bring home two domestic trophies, you're one point away from a Premier League trophy. Well, I mean, guess technically more than one point because of goal difference, but let's not split hairs. Uh, and then a kick away from from a Champions League final result. It can't be a failure, but I do think that it is 
a massive, massive disappointment. Yes, that's true. To have come so close in both of those kind of games and or in the season in the Premier League and in the Champions League final where they were the better side and to have them both slip away um, with maybe some errors and, and criticisms of Liverpool that have been present throughout the season, I do think that is a massive letdown. Yeah. I think for fans would maybe say their counter-argument would be that while we didn't expect to win those two, it's always nice to. We always anticipate we'll be in the running. But we, ne- we were never favourites for the Champions League. We were never favourites for the, for the Premier League. That was always Manchester City and probably Manchester City in the Champions League as well. Maybe p- probably PSG, in fact. They were never favourites for either of those competitions. But that's the external opinion. That's the fan opinion. I can guarantee you that internally, while it might not be disappointing for fans, they can go, oh, well, we had a good run. Um, you know, we came close. Like, it's still a pretty good season. I reckon internally this is a massive, massive disappointment. Because Absolutely. Liverpool fans might have different expectations of their team, but the players and the coaching staff, they would absolutely have been targeting one of the Premier League or the Champions League as a must for this year. Maybe even like both would have been the goal. And unfortunately for them, I think the reason it does go down is a big disappointment, a big letdown, because they have really struggled in some of the big, big moments. I mean, in particular, the Champions League, like, let's face it, had more, they had more shots than Real Madrid. Uh, their, their XG wasn't the best. Like, they, they didn't create a heap like of... like 2.26, wasn't they're, it? They're, but they, yeah, but they didn't create a heap of great looks. Like, you, if you listen to Jurgen Klopp uh, in the post-game press conference, he really only listed sort of two or three big chances that they had, and the rest of them weren't quite as... Um, quite as strong but during the Premier League in particular we're talking about obviously yes one point gap between them and Manchester City but they didn't get a win over any of the other teams in the top four Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. to me and they were right up against it they were right in the race and then they had that disappointing result against Tottenham right in the back end that pretty much cost them like that for me is a huge letdown yes to have over 90 points in a season it's a remarkable Achievement. It's crazy that you don't win the Premier League with the kind of points tally they've put in. Yes, they are one point behind Manchester City, but you can't be the best team if you aren't beating the other best teams. And Liverpool this season have struggled against a lot of a lot of Ooh. those those big sides. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, no, again, that's, that's I go, go back to what I what I said that Chelsea took them to to penalties in in the final. They didn't score across three three finals, and they happened to win. Two of them on penalties, which we know is something that they have put right into uh, its luck. Uh, well, it's not only luck, but it's something they have put a lot of yeah. work into with their. I can't remember the name of it, but there's like a German neuroscience company they've been working with to sort of develop that mentality. Clearly, it's worked for them, but they didn't get the chance to go to penalties today, and they can't always rely on that sort of thing. Yeah. And so, I think final last night was disappointing. The Premier League race, in the context of who they lost to, who they couldn't get results against when it really counted, particularly that Spurs game, I do think that is a huge letdown. And I think that while the fans might not feel that way, the players and Jurgen Klopp definitely, definitely will. And despite what some are saying, I don't think this is going to be a season. You always think of a double season as like, oh, it goes in the history books, Mm. that kind of thing. I don't think this will be. I don't think this will be in five years' time 
a season that Liverpool fans will look back on and go, oh, do you, do you remember the 2021-22 the season? We won the FA Cup, which has diminished relevance. We won the League Cup, which, let's face it, no one cares. <laughs> no one really cares all that much about. And then we were a point away from the Premier League, a point away from or a kick away from the do Champions you know, League. No one's going to be – no one is going to look back on that with, with particular fondness unless they were there for the finals, I guess. Do you know what's interesting? It's like – It'll be looked back upon. It'll be remembered for the season of missed opportunities. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be the di- season of like be looked the, back on as a disappointment look more than it will it, a success. You'll look back on it and you'll be like, oh, what if? You know, what if? Well, we're this close to the quadruple. What if? We might not get a chance to do that again. People probably look back on the 2019 season with more fondness because they actually won the Champions League that year or the 2020 season when they won the Premier League for the first time in, well, actually won their first Premier League crown, but their first first division title in over 30 years. Mm. I mean, like that's a that is yeah, a memory. That's, that's that is momentous. That is historic. Like, on the other hand, though, for Real Madrid fans, they'll be looking back at this season quite fondly. I mean, they've won the La Liga title. They won the Champions League. They ran the gauntlet to win the Champions League as well. Like the teams that had to beat to get there, mildly impressive. I mean, that was a very good run all the way to the final. Yeah. Um, so really, it was, like now, a, it was like they faced a series of like video game final bosses. Yeah, it was it genuinely was, and every time they were up against it, and Ancelotti lifted his eyebrow and said, "Hey, you know, well, I don't, and, I don't know if you've seen this, but that obviously this yeah. result makes Carlo Ancelotti the most successful manager in, in the UEFA Champions League, which like is just it's amazing. again not surprising. And he should have but one it's crazy. more. He should have one more." I don't know which one you. I don't know which 2005. one. Two thousand and five. Yeah, I do know which one yeah, you're talking about, no, Nick. I was just, like, just waiting. I knew yeah. you'd. I knew you'd bring it up somehow. Yeah. I knew you'd bring it up somehow. It, but it still pains me. Yeah, it, 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 it's insane. The teams have had to beat are insane. The fact that Ancelotti has achieved that record, um, you know, with an emphasis on man motivation, crazy. Tebo, uh, Tebo, to us performance in this game, as you mentioned, absolutely ridiculous. I mean the save to tip Mane's effort, mm. I know Salah's effort onto the onto the post from outside yeah. the box. A ridiculous, ridiculous save. Do you know what this final also taught us? And I'm gonna steal a, a Yukichism. Oh, yeah. Real Madrid can win a Champions League without Cristiano Ronaldo as well. Well this So is, to I, all the so to all the naysayers out there that thought, you know, Madrid were winning these because Ronaldo, blah 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 mm. Ronaldo's a big difference. Of course Ronaldo's a big difference for most of those finals gone back then. But for all the other players that, you know, have carried over from that Ronaldo team, like Karim Benzema, Luka Modric, etc., it shows this team could still function without him and to, and still win without him as well. I think that's quite impressive well, to add you, on too. You borrowed that you borrowed a Yukichism. I'm gonna lean into the uh the Yukichisms even harder here. Yeah. The effect that me, like Messi's departure from Barcelona had initially and his sort of um the departure of stars around him that made him just Ooh. like the sort of alpha and omega for them, right? The impact that he had. Everyone thought that that Cristiano Ronaldo leaving Real Madrid would do exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think that that chance at a Real Madrid sort of collapse might still come, but I don't think it was ever going to be to do with R- Ronaldo. I think it's going to be when Luka Modric packs his bags and says Probably. goodbye to the Bernabeu because... He is, I think he is uh, the key yeah. to all of this. Like Ronaldo, flashy, got all the plaudits, but Modric makes things happen in the middle. Yeah. And again, he was outstanding yeah. in this game. The, like the, his understanding of space, his ability to dribble the ball and just buy time, relieve pressure on Real Madrid as they withstood waves 
uh, of Liverpool attacks to eat valuable seconds away with the ability that he has on the ball to skip away from players. That is ridiculous. No, it is. It is absolutely nuts because you think about it, like how the hell did, you know, like how the hell is he still doing this at 37? It's quite a remarkable. Yeah. He's still doing it at 37. And he's not the same player he was, but there's still that technical still capacity. Pretty he's still pretty good though. Damn. His ceiling was a lot higher. That's what I'm saying, but he's still... God damn good. I was about to say something else, but it's still not the hour to be saying that. But terms of throwing in an, an extra yeah. word on top of that. But he is an absolute star. And you know what? It goes like beyond this. So not even with Modric, but also the fact of having just Karim Benzema in there doing what he's doing up top. There's a lot of good things happening with that Madrid team. And you know, one good thing I loved about it, Lockie, is that Gareth Bale got to celebrate the Champions League win as well, despite the fact he didn't have to do a thing. He got exiled, but hey, he still got to lift up the trophy before he leaves. He's having a great time. He collected his paycheck. He can go now and celebrate on a golf course for as long as he wants. Come down to Australia and be one of our uh, thirty-five. Give me the sugar. He probably is on the list, actually. Yeah, pour some sugar on me, Gareth Bale. Let's 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 make it happen. There are a lot of good golf courses down here. What I want to say, Lockie, is before we go to a break, the best part about this, this. this situation of Liverpool not winning. I have no idea where we're going with is this. Is that no English team won a European trophy this season? And it is absolutely fantastic. I can't believe this. I can't believe I'm about to defend England here as the Scottish person in the room. To get this screen, get the podcast copy strike because of using this music, just so you can get one in on the uh, English. Not worth it, man. Look at this. It is good. It is good. Do you know why I'm so happy about this, Lockie? Because... It's because for so long, for so long, the English football fans would come out in their droves and talk about, oh, we win this and we win that. Where are your Italian teams doing something and all the other leagues in Europe? Hey, don't they start English teams winning the championship? That's what I've got to ask, you know, winning your winning European trophies. You're not first. You are last. No. And, hey, Roma won the Conference League. Eintracht Frankfurt won the Europa League. Real Madrid champions of uh, of the, well, the European champions. So, I'm asking the question. This is actually like a, it goes beyond this. All these English teams with their massive wage budgets, with you know, I think that Ante actually threw out this stat yesterday. I think it's something like they have like more than half of the top twenty highest wage budgets in all of Europe. Mm. I'm just saying this. That's a disgrace. The fact they didn't win a whole European trophy this year, considering the teams that won it. And with the wage budgets they're going against. Man City not winning anything. Well, they didn't even, like, the one team made the final mm. as well. Man City, what are they doing? Manchester, well, Manchester United's a freaking basket case. Liverpool losing the final. Chelsea going out in the quarters. Yeah. The others. I mean, they didn't win a single thing. It's not just, it's not the lack of success this season that, that irks me about all of this, though. It's, for me, it's less about that. Because English teams have 
of late been pretty strong in, in oh, Europe. Absolutely. Let's, let's not, face not, it. Not, that, not saying they haven't And there been. is certain set in financial advantages, as you point out, that can make the Premier League not a better league to watch, but a league where unequivocally there is a higher average quality in terms of who you can attract, how much money you can offer them, all of that sort of thing. But that's not the problem for me. The problem is the disdain with which Premier League supporters and English fans treat the other leagues as a result. The fact that they think they're better, they might well be better, but they're not that much better than the other leagues, I think. Like, I saw a thread, I think Fikayo Tomori was being talked about as a, well, as an yeah, England yeah, call-up. Yeah. And people, some people were saying that he should start ahead of um, Harry Maguire, who obviously is very good for England, yes. but has had a terrible, terrible season for yes. Manchester United. And other options. Uh, I think I know where you go as well. Talk about the and yeah. People were saying he, he, you know, Italy is a terrible. Like him winning the title in Italy <laughs> means nothing. He's like a fifth choice. He would probably play for a mid-table team in England. It's just the level of of ignorance and insularity and refusal to engage beyond your own borders and beyond. The Premier League, like it, it is not the alpha and omega of European football that people no. like to believe it is. There is so much good to be watching elsewhere throughout the season, and everyone's like, "Oh, well, the Premier League title race is the most competitive. It always has been. It always is." Well, yeah, between two teams, yeah. and then it's daylight between them and the rest. Can and I there just... was another competitive race that went down to the final day in Italy. Yes, yes, the league that of the top yes. five. Gets or the least than, disrespect in France of the gets of the, the most other four disrespect. gets the mo- least yeah least yeah. amount of respect. This is that that whole thing with cool and gang and everything. That's not me having to go directly at the English clubs as well. This is also built up frustration at the supporters. It's the it's the constant disrespect of the other leagues. What are your teams doing? Like seriously, if you're gonna talk smack about you know these other teams of you know apparently playing in worse leagues and everything like that. Then why are they why did they succeed in Europe mm. this year? And we didn't see the same success with England. Their their argument might be, well, look, Man City had to come up against Real Madrid. Hey, what were Man City? What was the aggregate score with that second leg when uh, before you know Rodrigo came yeah. onto the pitch and changed? You, you it? Can, what about Chelsea? What about Liverpool in the final? They didn't get it done. And Manchester City can play all the nice, attractive football in the world, but it doesn't escape the fact that like it, it, it's not just about that. It's not just the players you have at your disposal. Mentally, they got absolutely rattled. By an eyebrow, a, by a team who were believe they were were destined for yeah. destined for success. But I got to say, Nick, I have a lot of sympathy for you on this one because I I know how you feel. Mm. Uh, to be looked down upon by English fans, despite the fact that you clearly have a uh, superior league, and some would say the best in the world. I, me and the boys up in uh, up in Scotland, we know what that yeah. feels like. Yeah. And one day, one day, we'll get these English English Premier League supporters, Nick. We'll get them to see the light. No, we will. And Scotland, the Cinch Premiership, and Serie A will be accepted, whether On English fans stage. like it or not, as the premier competitions in Europe. Nick, you and no. I are brothers. Oh no! In this, in this situation, we are definitely brothers. The uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm. So you know, in this situation, look, it, it's frustrating. Because we have gone through this situation with, you know, the constant disrespect of other leagues from English supporters. This goes back a very long time. And 
unfortunately with social media, you know, this only gets exempt, like, you know, sort of exacerbated mm. because we see it more often and it gets, becomes more frustrating, especially when you talk about the Fakaya Tamori example. That was some of the, like, and I've seen some terrible footballing discourse over the years. As oh, someone who's absolutely. watched Tamori play this year, oh, some of the most moronic chat. You're telling me as a as a Milan yeah. fan that you're getting frustrated. I was oh, I saw I saw some of those comments and I could not believe it. It takes a I'll lot see. to rustle my Jimmy's nick and oh, that Twitter sure discourse. No, it did uh, I'm sure I'm rustled that? quite easily. But this did rustle me intensely, that's for sure. Well look, Lockie, we're gonna take a quick break. On the other side of this we'll jump into a little bit of the fan sort of situation with the French police on the other side of it from the final. But also I want to talk a little bit about what's coming up this week, Lockie. It's yeah, a big remind day. Me. It's a big day. The song does go for quite yeah. a while, so you, you will. This this dynamic could go on indefinitely. This, this I'm not complaining a, though. It's a big week for Scottish football. World Cup qualifiers just around the corner. Yes, sir. Will they be boogieing all their way to Qatar? I really hope so. But we'll, we'll chat. Get on to that. We'll chat a little bit more on the other side of this. Your eyes are full of hesitation She makes me wonder Sometimes I feel... I don't know. I don't know. Buongiornata. 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 There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get a bad You don't have to get a bad Attaccare! I wanna keep my reputation I'm a sensation You try me once, you'll make for more It's worth getting the stream taken down. It really is. Oh, it really is. It, it, it is worth it. I mean, this is such a banging anthem. We may hear this at Hampton Park. Hampton Park? It's going to be on Wednesday morning. Thursday morning. Thursday morning. I got the days mixed up. Thursday morning, Scotland, I hope Ukraine. Scotland don't. <laughs> That'd be a big oh, problem. I hope they rock up at the right time. But anyways, that game on Thursday morning, taking on the Ukraine in the World, European World Cup qualifiers. We almost got to the little uh, the tippy tippy point of that. So the last spot, I think, from the European qualifiers. Yeah, well, everyone um, is everyone else is back playing their Nations League uh, yeah. fixtures, while Scotland and Ukraine still locked in and Wales red hot World Cup qualification battle. Well, Wales are just sitting sitting there waiting for us. Imagine Scotland versus Wales, lucky. Well, I hope I don't have to imagine it for too much longer, to be frank. Before we get into it, Lockie, let's chat a little bit about what happened before and after the Champions League final on Sunday. Obviously, kickoff was delayed for over half an hour. Some quite ugly scenes. I mean, what is it with these big events, you know, in Europe and the lack of control from the police? I mean, we saw this with the uh, the Euro final between England and Italy when we saw fans you know, storm the gates. It's the reason why England's next few, well, their game against Italy, definitely the next few internationals are going to be played behind closed doors. Um, take us through it, Lockie. I mean, it was quite ugly before and after the game at the Parc des Princes. Yeah, I mean, there was just a lot of, especially getting into the game, some really unsavory uh, footage of, of, you know, fans who clearly had tickets 
to be allowed into the game, being uh, pepper sprayed by French authorities. It, it was quite um, quite scary and quite confronting. I think the the ease with which French authorities were sort of going out of their way to agitate and cause problems where there wasn't any. Like a, lo- a lot of the um, the raucous nature and the crowding kind of behaviour was to do with the actual ticketing and getting put th- people through the door as opposed to Liverpool fans actually doing anything wrong. And you saw like clips of French police spraying fans who were just trying to come through the gate with their ticket mm. while French, uh, some French people were just getting lit straight, straight in. Yeah. Uh, so very, very, uh, yeah, controversial, unsavory, very morbid. unsavory indeed. And like even people who were there were saying that they hadn't witnessed this sort of um, agitation by the authorities and not necessarily, not by Liverpool fans uh, is the important distinction since, uh, since, you know, 1989. Yeah. And we all know, yeah, yeah. you know, what happened then. Mm. Like it, Yeah. Look, there may be some fans who act out of order sometimes, now and again. It's always going to be a part of football. But you have, as a policing unit, you've got to behave in accordance with what's going on. And you, you can't be wanton. And the police were. And it's it's made it's made France, I think, look look quite quite yeah, poor in the, the world, footballing, world footballing stage. But, yeah, look, I don't think much more needs to be said about it than no. the, the French, French police just uh, stuffed it up and football fans, as they often are in, uh, in the modern game, are the losers. Stuffed it up is an understatement almost, I reckon. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah. can't swear. So. <laughs> um, let's move on from that, Lockie, and let's jump into what's going on this week. You want to touch on something else? I just wanted to mention one more thing. Back, I have, to give, yeah, it, yeah, have to give it a shout-out. Shout-out to the Everton fans who developed a fake tour bus company called <laughs> Coach Innovations, uh, which they used to trick some Liverpool fans into thinking they were getting a coach across to France, only to leave them stranded outside this pub for hours. And Liverpool fans not even realising and so going on TikTok, like, complaining, if you're ever trying to book a coach, never use Coach Innovations. They didn't even turn up. Unbelievable. Like, in the Hall of Fame, maybe even yeah. top one of one pranks for, of all time for bleep housery ever. Yeah. The other set, good second bit to it was Richarlison posting a photo of him driving uh, the Photoshop bus. Photoshop of him yeah. in a bus. Oh, as someone who just loves um, bleep stirring, yeah, uh, be it in football or in general life, top notch, absolutely top notch. Everton fans. Has been a tough season for Evertonians, but they got they they were that, the ones with the okay, last. That laugh. is their Premier League trophy, yeah, and I am more than happy to celebrate <laughs> it with them. Well, Lockheed, let's now have a look ahead. Thursday, Scotland, Ukraine, winner takes on Wales next Monday. One more spot from the European nations in the World Cup. It's funny, I was just having a look back at the fixtures for this week, and I got reminded very quickly about Italy's loss against North Macedonia. And oh. no, <laughs> stop. Um, yeah, uh, Scotland, Ukraine this week, Lockie. It's weird. Yeah, it's this very, game. it is very awkward. It is really weird because this is arguably Scotland. Well, I reckon it would be Scotland's biggest match. Would you say it's Scotland's biggest match in quite some time? Uh, I mean, I mean, they've been the, the Euros, Euros but- the, the Euros final against Serbia because it was the first opportunity to do European competition. It was pretty yeah. big, but yeah, this is this, this is, is another level magnified. 
the progression. So Scotland's obviously they've announced their squad. You know the likes of Andrew Robertson in. You know uh, Aaron Hickey in the squad. Good to see him getting his uh getting his first. What's the thing with Scottish fullbacks right now, man? Like. They are developing some absolute yeah, talents we, right now. Could we, as a nation, please develop Focus. talent across the park? <laughs> Just stop creating great fullbacks. Like, we don't... One of our most important players in Kieran Tierney is missing through injury for this and game. And he's a left-back. does make me very nervous. And we still have two incredible left-backs. I'm, I'm, yeah, I've, I'm not happy with what that <clears throat> injury to, to Kieran Tierney might yeah. do to this squad because... Obviously, the the massive benefit that he brings, even though he isn't usually a left back, is that he can play centre back in that left side yeah. of a three, and Andrew Robertson can push up, and then he can also Tierney join in the attack, mm. uh, and it can move to a four. Hickey is a great player, and he's had an outstanding season with Bologna, in my yep. opinion. I think yep. there have been rumours, and there should be of other bigger European clubs coming in for him. He's a great talent. But I don't know if either he or Robertson have the same functionality and experience playing centre back, which means that Scotland might just have to play three centre backs and, and lose that extra sort of um, tactical fluidity that does make them a bit of a handful to deal with down the left. Uh, I just just worry that's going to be a difficult thing for them. But the good thing for Scotland, the mm-hmm. good thing for Scotland is mm-hmm. that their starting goalkeeper, Craig Gordon, is absolutely massive. He is in the, at 40 or 39 years of age, he is in the form of his life. They, Hearts, his club side, lost 2-0 to Rangers in the Scottish Cup final. But without Craig Gordon, it would have been 11-0. And that's not hyperbole. Craig Gordon was just that good. And he is going to have to be at the top of his game for this fixture. And hopefully he is, hopefully Scotland can battle past that injury to Kieran Tenney. It's it's still a it's still a very s- strong squad. There are players who will do a g- good job. I think John Suter from Hearts is someone who could slot in and play that good like passing role out from the back. Yeah, it's just it's just uh it's not a guarantee and the yeah. whole of the world except the Scottish people and yeah. well probably Russian and Belarusian people, no, but let's not get into that. Into that um are going to be on the side of on the side of you Ukraine. know, Lockie, I'm I'm just gonna say it. I I get this feeling the Ukraine are gonna win. I get this feeling that it's the wave of emotion. Like I'm sorry to say it that Scotland's coming up against Ukraine at this point. You know of the of the qualifiers, and it's but really difficult as well because I don't want to say to you we're no. gonna beat Ukraine. Like yeah. I don't like I'm not gonna. Well, also, as well, I'm gonna also, feel good okay. about it, but I'm also not gonna. But feel also, good about like. It. We have to remember, Ukraine are a bloody good football team. They are genuinely like they good. are a very like good I, team. I just, I just had a look over the squad they've selected and mid the midfield options of Yarmolenko, Zinchenko. Zinchenko, and Malinovsky. Mm. Like the fact that Scotland are going to have to play presumably a full ninety minutes against Malinovsky terrifies me. That terrifies me because if there's one man who can, who can hit a ball so hard that it will go even through the titanium gloves of Craig Gordon, it's probably Ruslan Malinovsky. yeah. Now, on the chance that Scotland go through, they've got to play Wales. Now, mm. talking about what getting one over your UK rivals in a big game, 
It's going to be in Wales. I think it'll be in Cardiff, I assume. Probably at the Millennium Stadium yeah, or... Uh, I believe so. Yeah. This, that, that matchup, Scotland versus Wales, should it happen, is massive for both nations. Because Wales haven't been to a World Cup. Have Wales ever been to a... I don't think Wales have actually been to the World Cup before, from my memory. I don't think they have. I'm not sure. I mean, they've been recently a perennial Euros squad, uh, Euros nation since the expansion. But, like, this this is a massive game of football. Got a correction, Nick, man. They They played at the World Cup one time in 1958. So it's been a long time between drinks. Yeah. When was the last time Scotland made the World Cup? I prefer not to answer that question. I don't don't respect that question and I don't respond to it, frankly. It's... Uh, uh, Let's it's embarrassing. Look. Let's have a look. When was the last time Scotland made the World Cup? It was... Jesus. 1998. Not that yeah, bad. Yeah, no, it was France 98. Yeah. But I didn't want to give you the... I thought, the it, was satis- gonna, I thought it was going to be like 1970 or I didn't you know? want to give you the satisfaction of hey, answering my nation, question. My, my nation that I support haven't been to... They're not going to miss two straight World Cups, and it's Italy, for God's sake. They're a powerhouse. You think that, you know, I can give you shit about it because... I need to laugh at myself as well sometimes. I feel your pain. It comes from a place of pain because I know how it feels like. Oh, Nick, I was feeling comfortable before this show about this game, but um, my nerves are shot now. I don't, yeah. I don't know what way it's going to go. I really think that the quality of the midfield play, particularly the Ukraine have got um, not just the individual midfielders, yeah. but the way they combine with one another uh, might rip... I mean, Scotland have got a good midfield as well, but I just think defensively they might be able to rip them apart with with and that's speed in behind and, and players who can distribute yeah. really well. And, yeah, I, I don't want to make a prediction for that game um, because I don't want to well, get cancelled and I don't want to get disappointed. Yeah, let's save the predictions, I reckon. Let's just wait till next Monday and see what happens because by next Monday, Scotland might be at the World Cup. We could be taught, well, they could be one game away from the World the Cup. The game's on time. Monday morning. Of course it is. So we will wow, what a big Euro it. show it is. Wow, coming what a it's show. A, it's going to be like a Lockie spin-off episode oh, of like, the Euro it's show. It's like, you know, how we had my celebration. This is such a refreshing Monday. change of pace. The last month I've been on this program just putting up with Nick's Milan diatribe every single week. Now it's my turn. Hey, well. Well, if we win. It's been, then it'll be my had, turn. We had the Nick's sadness hour two months ago when Italy didn't make the World Cup. That was Lost a good hour, Macedonia, an And then we had hour. the Milan celebration hour last week. Lockie, we need to give something for yourself, mate. We need the Flanagan celebration hour. Yeah. Well, let's hope we can get it. Well, Lockie, uh, before we go as well, uh, Nations League as well back this week. It means an opportunity for us Italians as well to wipe the bad taste out of our mouth. And playing the the fake international competition. Yeah. Uh, In terms of some of the games to look forward to towards before we get to next Monday, if you're just a keen European football fan, Thursday morning as well, if you want to get the double screen going, Italy is actually playing Argentina in a battle of the winners of the Copper America and the winners of the Euros. It's a new thing they're doing. It's like to replace the Confeds Cup. It's just a one-off game. It's Giorgio Chiellini's last international game. The swan song. It's uh, almost like a testimonial for him. The following day, well, these are actually some quite tasty games. So Friday morning, Spain playing Portugal. Yeah, that's going to be one to keep an eye on. Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan. 12 o'clock Saturday, the 4th of June. I will have my eyes. I definitely will have my eyes on the other one at 2 a.m. Estonia versus San Marino. That's looking like an absolute rip snorter. Wow. Saturday morning, actually, is unbelievable. You go from Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan into Latvia, Andorra. You've got Croatia, Austria. 
Yeah. Well, that, no, that's running up against Liechtenstein, Moldova. So yeah, you know, absolutely. Who wants to watch France, Denmark, or easy, Belgium, Netherlands, and all? Anyway, easy choice to make there. Then Sunday morning, Italy's playing Germany. That's going to be a ripping game. I really hope we tear Germany. To I'm shreds. actually quite interested to see France and uh, France and Denmark how they they shake out. I don't think it's going to be a particularly good game. I think yeah. it'll be very defensive. Uh, but, but yeah, just interested to see. I think Danish. I think Denmark is the kind of team that France. Uh, would struggle against. And then obviously on Sunday night, if, you, if you're up late and you want to watch some good football, San Marino versus Malta, the Battle of the Minnows, that's going to be an absolute banger. And then Monday morning, before we jump on the show, we've got Portugal, Switzerland, Czech Republic taking on Spain as well. And also the final of whoever plays Wales. Will it be Scotland? Will it be Ukraine? Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see after Thursday morning. But Lockie, it's time for us to say goodbye. We'll be back again next right, week. Andrea, Yes, it is time for us to say goodbye. But uh, miss any of the show, make sure you head over to Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, this show as well today brought to you by GIS.sports, uh, GIS Sport. Uh, if you want to, you know, start your career in football and, you know, potentially in coaching or in football and business, head over to GIS.sport slash FNR. You can study here in Melbourne at the MCG. Or even better, if you're based abroad, you can head over to London, study at Wembley. Yes, you heard me correctly. I'm not talking about Wembley Park in Box Hill. I'm talking about Wembley Stadium in the middle of London, right across the road from Thomas Fluker Barker's apartment. Or you can head up to Manchester and study at the Etihad Stadium. So head over to gis.sports/fnr. Enrolments for next year open. So get over there, get started, roll into it. So Lockie, this week, big shows planned all around. Unfortunately, no Paco Radio this week. We're saving that for next week. Some special guests to be announced uh, late next week. I believe we'll have the Oz Football Hour yeah, with yeah, yourself Jason and Jason and I Goldsmith. will be here from, uh, from 6 to 7, sinking our teeth into the uh, the A-League Grand Final yep. and some of the, the silly season uh, rumours that have already uh, yes. kicked into gear. As well as Sufin, State of Our Football Nation, on Thursday. Yep. Uh, the Green Room as well. It's they're, they're still celebrating, so Wednesday night they will not be on. We're not sure if we'll, well be... they'll be at their end-of-season function. Yes, so you'll you, be at yes, their end-of-season Yes, so if you're down function. at the Flemington Showgrounds on Wednesday night, come say good day. Uh, For a live green room. It's not, it's actually, it's not live. It's all pre-recorded stuff. A pre-recorded green room, yes. which we never do. Yes, and, uh, you know, if you do, come say hello. You know, we're happy to yeah, give say you a hello. Say hello, Blue Tick Nick. Uh, yeah. Sorry to hear about Italy. Sucked in. And then you can walk off. into the, Well, if he lets you walk off. I didn't like that. Any, anyway, guys, that's like been that. the Euro Show. We've had a great <laughs> evening here tonight. Uh, we'll catch you again soon. Sometimes I feel... I don't know. I don't know. Buonasera. Buonasera. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get a bad You don't have to get a bad Attaccare! Attaccare!